0: This is a mini Bloom Tuesday episode on Green Dreamer Podcast, and today we have a special guest with us to give us a little insight into sustainable fashion 101, how we can get started shopping more sustainably for our clothes to not get overwhelmed, as well as some future trends that we can feel hopeful about. I think that fashion is so powerful because it drives trends around the world. You know, whether or not people love fashion in of itself as an interest, we all wear clothes, right, and make decisions about what we buy, who we buy from, how often we buy, how we take care of our clothes, and what happens to them at the end of their use. And as conscious consumers, we can really make a meaningful, positive difference through fashion because at the moment, the industry is one of the most polluting industries in the world with a lot of systemic social issues embedded in that supply chain as well. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to episode 22 with Orsola de Castro, who's the co-founder of the organization Fashion Revolution, but she said in our conversation that every morning when we get dressed, that simple act of getting dressed, we have the power to make a positive difference for the fashion industry based on our decisions. Although I do have to say, like anything in sustainability, there's no silver bullet. Sustainable fashion is complex, there's a lot to think about, from fair labor, toxicity of chemicals and dyes used, animal welfare, environmental impact of our fibers, biodegradability of the fibers, health impacts, local versus imported, and on and on. So there's a lot, and it can be really daunting to process all of this information. So I invited an investigative fashion writer, stylist, and community activist based in Austin to share her expertise with us. On her site, The P. she covers ethical fashion for the mainstream gal. And with her work, she's on a mission to bring truth-telling back to fashion with a dash of sass. Green Dreamer, starting with what opened her eyes to see the various sustainability issues in fashion, here's Casey Martin.
1: Um, For me, this was definitely a personal experience um, that led me into the industry. So right when I graduated, I was working at um, a luxury fashion public relations firm in New York City, trying to kind of gung-ho pursue fashion full-fledged. But I didn't know about ethical and sustainable fashion, even though in undergrad I had studied things like human rights and sustainability. I just didn't put two and two together there. So I was working in traditional fashion and we were doing things like sending samples to celebrities and like running Mm -hmm. garments and planning press events, um, just what you would traditionally think of. And I remember there was a day where we were shipping off this like, oh, gosh, it was like a $40,000 Christopher Kane dress. And it was this like 90s style plastic polymer Mm -hmm. and it was filled with like goo. And I just remember it exploded and thinking like, oh, my gosh, it's like this crazy work of art. But then it kind of led me to believe, like, well, what is this even made of? And I started kind of researching like all the connections to like textiles and plastics. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, how was I studying things in school like peak oil and like an industry you traditionally think of that has been vilified in a lot of ways for not being sustainable, but it's derived from the same material, right? This plastic dress that I was um, marketing was made from the same petrochemicals that you know the oil and gas industry are. So that connection to like synthetics and even just like your athletic attire is made of synthetics really opened my eyes, um, and that kind of got me kind of tapping into my journalistic background of like, well, what's really going on behind the scenes at fashion companies. If I was working for smaller brands and I could kind of see the sheer amount of waste of just shipping things to celebrities and like, are they even wearing that? Are they even using it? I could only imagine what was happening at like big box retailers. That's kind of when I started stop I stopped shopping fast fashion. I stopped like going to Zara so much and kind of chasing trends and things like that. And when I discovered big campaigns like Fashion Revolution and started reading about textiles supply chain transparency and then I got really kind of niche into the different buckets right like you can shop vegan fashion or you can shop like there's a sustainable way to incorporate leather in your wardrobe you can even shop local the same way that you're shopping food local you can really get into like the indie brands that are producing in your city Um, so there's just so many different facets to it but I think it's that one like working in luxury fashion, it really opened my eyes.
0: For sure. There's so much to it. And in your bio, it says that you're on a mission to bring truth-telling back to fashion. What made Mm -hmm. you feel like there was a need for truth-telling in this space?
1: Yeah, I just felt like I didn't know. Like, I was studying things like sustainability, human rights, whatever, but I didn't know that in the 80s, everyone has heard of a sweatshop labor. You've heard of that, but you don't know that that still has not been eradicated from the fashion system yet. It just kind of like had all of these big PR stunts come in and say, oh, we're, we don't have sweatshop, no sweatshop labor anymore. But really because people are going to one tier supplier, but they don't know their second, third, fourth tier suppliers, it's all still happening. So I think for me, I just really wanted to get deep and like dig into fashion and expose things to people. So what I find on my site is like, you have people who go in that deeper journey. They really love my investigative pieces. And then you have some people who are just like, I want to be conscious, but I want it to be simple. So for those types of shoppers and people, I just kind of do brand profiles and I try to bring to light really sustainable. Um, I try to profile affordable fashion to make it accessible, um, but sometimes I'll go more on the luxury side of things just because I think there's also a market for that as well.
0: Yeah, so you do a lot of research in your writing, and a lot of them are very investigative and thought-provoking, like you said, and I personally really respect the work that you do. And with us being really curious about this, I feel like we're constantly learning a lot of more so depressing statistics in this space. Oh, yeah. Sometimes regarding issues that seem very large-scale and distant, like something happening across the world. So with all this information, where do we go from here?
1: Oh, <laughs> that's a, that's a big question. Um, I would say like, I always recommend people to pick one issue. I think you and I have even talked about this, right? It's, you can get so overwhelmed. Like there's been days when even I'm just writing a piece and I have to walk away from it. Cause I start like, <gasps> like kind of hyperventilating, like there's so much compounding information here. So I say kind of the same way you would pick your style, like pick your ethic. So kind of go into your heart and figure out like, okay, is the human side of fashion the most important thing to me or is it more important – to see the planet sustained on a long term and of course all of these things are interconnected so it's important to be like thoughtful about all of it but like for me sustainability is a huge thing i think just because i have more knowledge about it and so i'm naturally kind of i gravitate towards which textiles are innovating in a sustainable way and things like that but you know you have people who are really into animal rights and so they're gonna want to pick all vegan or like cruelty-free brands and things like that so just kind of narrow and focus in on your issue.
0: Yeah. So the goal is to we all want to check as many different boxes as possible, but that can get really overwhelming. So just starting with one thing and then going from there, that can be helpful.
1: Yeah, I find that your capacity kind of expands too. like, because it can be so overwhelming at first, if you just start with one, you'll realize, all right, like, I kind of got that down. Like, I remember when I first started minimalism, it was a trend in itself, right? Like even people who weren't concerned with ethical or conscious consumption were minimizing their wardrobes just because it got trendy and it becomes like an addictive thing, right? So I remember, oh, I don't need all these things and this is better for me, blah, blah, blah. And you kind of master that. And now I'm in a phase where like, I don't care so much about minimalism and I'm reincorporating things into my life, but in a way where I'm like, okay, well, I'm buying a lot of secondhand things because I love design and I'm not going to give that up. Like I still want to have a really unique home and a unique style. So how can I do that in a way that I'm not compromising my life, uh, but I'm also not compromising the life of other people or the planet?
0: For sure. And so you're an expert in terms of textiles. I know you get really nerdy about that. So what, in your opinion, what are some of our most relatively, uh, relatively most eco-friendly fiber choices right now that we can look out for in those clothing tags? I think personally,
1: I really love tensile. I think it's a great everyday fiber. It's really, really soft and it's manufactured in a way that's closed loop. So that means there's not a lot of waste coming from it. It's like a cellulose, I think I'm pronouncing that right, (laughs) fiber that comes from trees. Um, So you don't have all of the like pollution and waste coming from that. And i just really love it It drapes nicely a lot of designers like working with it but of course it is a little bit more expensive than working with like it's more like synthetic cousins like you might see stuff in in made from modal so tensile is kind of like a step above modal so if you like the look and feel and drape of a modal you're gonna like tensile Mm -hmm. as well it's just more sustainable um And then when it comes to like natural fibers versus synthetics, like I always get really torn about this. And I wrote a piece, I I can send it to you. It's an opinion piece about like, are natural fibers actually more sustainable? Um, Because you see that a lot, right? Like you think cotton, linen, like all of those fabrics, like, yeah, they biodegrade. Um, But that doesn't really take into account like people's modern lives. So we hear a lot about, all right. If you're wearing stretchy fabrics, um, all of those are made like your workout gear. All of your athleisure is made from plastics, which shed micro microplastics into the ocean. They cause pollution. Um, they don't break down as easily. Those types last a lot longer. Um, so for me, like longevity wise, it's just about figuring out what works for you. So like, I do wear a lot of athleisure, but I try to buy athleisure that lasts a really long time. And I wash it in like a garment bag called a guppy bag that's supposed to help capture the microplastics. Um, so, you know, I think it's just about like how those fabrics are made. Like if you're looking at the input and I just want to mention one more, I think hemp is like, a wonder crop. It's so amazing. And uh one of my friends, I have to shout out to her, Brianna Kilcullen, is doing a lot of work in this space and really opened up my eyes to it. Like I had no idea that like during World War II, we brought hemp manufacturing back here as kind of like a help us with the war effort. And we were making ropes and like all of the army's clothes were made from hemp. Like the first American flag was sewn from hemp and it's hmm. just really a sustainable fiber. So I'm excited to see that some states are legalizing hemp production for textiles. I think that's really awesome. And I think that, um, I mean, a lot of brands right now, they're like, yeah, we're using hemp, but they're buying it from China, you know? So I, I think the future of American-made hemp will be really, really great.
0: Yeah. Well, taking a step back, what do you see as some of our upcoming trends that you've observed or learned about in sustainable fashion that we can feel hopeful about?
1: Um, It's not a trend, per se, but I really think the future of like systemic change in fashion kind of hinges on better product design Um, and kind of what that means you'll hear this buzzword you've covered it a lot on on this podcast circularity right so how do we instead of recycling because recycling happens after the product is already made how do we design a product in a way that's better so maybe it can be used infinitely So, like, maybe you have a shirt and it's redesigned or it's designed specifically to be made into something in its second life rather than just break down in the earth. My favorite book on this is called Cradle to Cradle. And, like, the book itself is actually made from, like this polymer that's indestructible. So you can put a match to it and it won't burn. And a lot of people would say, oh, okay, well that, that doesn't seem sustainable. It's not going to like break down like a traditional paper book would, but it's designed to be like made into a piece of furniture or something Mm. after. And I think that that's really thoughtful. So it's not a matter of like, oh, plastic is terrible. It's how do we design plastic that
0: it's not single use. Um, So I'm really excited about that. For sure. Thank you so much for sharing that. And so where can we go to follow your work online and social media to keep learning from you?
1: Yeah, definitely my website. It's the p P e a h e n dot com. And I would say the best way to stay in touch is to sign up for my emails. Um, I kind of share like my weekly writings there and it's more exclusive content. And then Instagram, I'm like everyone else kind of on that platform. And something that's really fun about Instagram that I just introduced is like a shop my feed series. So I'm in the works of like launching a marketplace because I have a lot of vintage and secondhand and then just ethical brands that I have from shoots. So I'm starting to Shopify and you can shop them in my story um, until I launch a marketplace. So that's something really exciting.
0: And that's a wrap for this Bloom Tuesday. You can follow Casey on Instagram at the underscore Hen. that's spelled P-E-A-H-E-N. And in case you're on the go right now, don't worry about it. You'll find links to her socials and work in the show notes at greendreamer.com. As always, feel welcome to get in touch with me through the website's contact page with any feedback on what you'd like me to dive deeper into that would be helpful to you. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Kamea Shane. That's K-A-M-E-A-C-H-A-Y-N-E.